As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Um, A week is a long time in football. Certainly the balloon of hope has been somewhat deflated by the sharp pain of FA Cup defeat. Here to discuss that and look forward to what is shaping up to be a momentous week in the recent history of the club, uh, Amy Lawrence and James McNicholas. Hello, guys. Hello, Ian. Morning. Um, Morning. We will talk about, of course, what happened uh, in Nottingham yesterday. James, you were there, yes? I was, yeah. I've got to stop making these trips uh, up the M1. They're not it's going very well. Jonah McNicholas. Um, <laughs> but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, it's pretty obvious, James, your piece this morning and all the chat we've had is we need to sign some players before Thursday. We will have a chat again about the uh, transfer window, but we have a question. Um which one player do Arsenal most need to sign before Thursday? Uh, James, I'll start with you. Well, uh, I've sort of got two answers, really, unfortunately. But uh, Because if it's before Thursday, then I think that the answer is a central midfield player, especially based on what we saw yesterday. Uh, and in that context, I'd probably go for someone like Ruben Neves of Wolves, who was linked in the summer, and he's having a fantastic season. He was brilliant at Old Trafford the other day when Wolves beat United. So I'd say him. But um, if it was sort of for the rest of the season, personally, I'm still of the mind that a striker could be the signing that really unlocks something else in this team. And as as much as it feels like the, the, the cupboard's bare right now, we do have uh, Shaka, Party, El Nenny all to return. So, if it was looking at the end of the season, I still think striker for me. But but for Thursday, I'd love a central midfield player. Amy, how about you? Yeah, I, I, it's hard to disagree with yeah. any of that. Um, I, I would have probably, you know, I think everybody's excited about the prospect that a, a new striker might breathe uh, new life and be a, a bit of a missing part to the potential of the team. But um, watching the midfield yesterday uh, made you quite fearful for this big week coming up. And you think, seriously, who do you trust to play in midfield 
at Anfield, at Tottenham, uh, on two matches within three days that could be quite defining, really, for the season. Um, when you compare what's going on in January to what's going on in February, Arteta must be pulling his hair out because the time when there's so many problems going on now is when there's these high-intensity, high-stakes matches. To have Carling Cup semi-final, Carabao Cup semi-final, whatever it's called, with uh, with a massive Premier League game in the middle uh, against our nearest but not so dearest. And then you look at February and potentially there's only two matches. Uh, it's a bit a bit of a shame to have the Afghan, the COVID, the injuries all hitting at the moment, but midfield is looking worrisome. And I think I don't even know who the targets are that are realistic, but I think if it's difficult to find a realistic scenario, just sign Jack Wilshire. <laughs> he's there. He's ready. He's keen. He knows everyone. He knows what it means. He'd, he'd play pay as you play. He'd do a deal like that. Month, six months, just being around, being available. No brainer. Do you know, I laughed when you when you said that, but you were absolutely serious, weren't you? That that yeah, and he obviously has the experience. He hasn't played in a while, but um, I, anyway, I'm with you. A midfielder is a must, um, and I'm also with you, Amy. By the way, on um, the fact that Sunday is more important than Thursday and Thursday. Uh, as much as I'd love to get the League Cup final, and let's say we do, and let's say we beat Chelsea, it does give us a way back into the Europa League, but I, I hate, I, you know what? I think Arsene Wenger was right in this particular case. Fourth is a trophy and a massive one if we actually get that. Uh, and I think that should be the focus of the uh, of the club from now on. I hate I to tell you this, Ian, as well, but I think it's I think it's the Europa Conference League. Uh, now. Do you know what? I, I I actually had a feeling you were going to say that. In which yeah. case, we should we should play. I don't know the kids against Liverpool, <laughs> blow that out completely, and just concentrate on Tottenham uh, at the weekend. The way we tried, the way we continue to try, that um, it wasn't good enough, but um, we are out. It's never nice to go out. It's only the, I think, was it the third time we've gone out in the third round in 26 years? We have a proud record. We are the record uh, uh, holders and won that trophy more than any other club. Um, it was a poor performance. I know it, I don't want to start talking about the hopeometer because mine's in the same place it was before. I didn't, you know, I don't veer that wildly. Um, James, I'll come to you first. You were there. It, they didn't really offer anything, but it, it is it does come back to that discussion we just had. They had no control of the midfield. And Forrest, by the way, an away tie against a sort of, I want to say high-flying, but against a good championship team in the Cup with their crowd behind them, that is a tough, that is a tough assignment. And we just didn't have the players to go in there. That's true, and Forrest have had a big upturn in form recently under Steve Cooper, who I think is a really good coach, a really good manager, who actually worked with a lot of Arsenal's bright young academy talents during their time in the England setup and his time in the England setup, where I think he was coach of the under 17s and possibly under 18s. But nevertheless, you know, there's a division between these teams, and even with all the absences Arsenal had, I think they should have been capable of much more than they produced at the City ground. I think it was not even a single shot on target in the course of the game. 
And I think the reason many fans will have been so concerned and the reason our opening question today is about transfers is that, you know, when you look at the depth of the squad, the, a lot of those players who came in for absentees at both fullback positions, at central midfield, I think it was clear in almost every case that there is a reason that these players are second choice. And the the gap in what Arsenal produced in terms of quality, in terms of intent, was pretty substantial and pretty significant. Maybe that's inevitable. You know, we, we, we have had a team this season where we've concentrated on the league. It's not like we've had Europa League games to keep these guys ticking over, to keep them sharp. You know, they're all thrown in together, essentially, for this cup tie from nowhere. But it was a huge drop-off from the quality of performance from the City game. And with the squad looking thin, I understand why people are a bit concerned by that. Amy, James's point about the fact that it made it obvious that the guys that were brought in to replace our first teamers are not good enough. Um, it, I mean, we've sort of known for a while, but it was um, it was pretty much there in black and white, wasn't it? Cedric is not a long term prospect. Um, Sayed, <laughs> That's one way of putting it. He's not. Sayed Kalasinac turned up. I had no idea he was still at the club, but there you go. There's a few of them. And and we all said before this project started, it was going to take a few transfer windows. Well, it is, isn't it? Not just to get players in, to ship players out as well. Uh, we have 14 or 15 who we trust and the rest that we don't. Yep, and that's why... Um... I think all the top performances of the season, in fact, when there's been little runs that have come together, it's been a, there's been a consistency around the group. Um, and, and it felt like at good times of the season that Mikel Arteta has found his team, certainly found his team for this season from this squad. But when you look at the amount of changes between the City game, where not notwithstanding the, the result, talking just about the quality of performance and intensity uh, compared to the, the Forest match, the, there were only four players who played in, in both. And the extent of the changes, actually Leno played quite well in goal, but you know Ramsdale is still a huge part of the team. I think you can get away with this, thing, this kind of thing sometimes. Uh, and when you look back at the previous cup games of this campaign... This forest away, as you were saying, Ian, was, was a particularly uh, well, a complex draw that they, uh, Arsenal probably could have done without at this moment in time. We started off in the League Cup at West Brom and they were heavily rotated and it was fine. Arsenal played very well with a sort of patchwork team. Then it was three home matches, which obviously makes these kind of changes generally easier. AFC Wimbledon, Leeds and Sunderland. Uh, so forest away was a big step away in terms of the the temperature of the whole occasion and the difficulty of, of the task in hand. Um, so a, a bit of luck and a different kind of draw. And I think even possibly this team would have been able to work its way through as it had in, in previous sort of cup games this season. But in this one, it was, uh, it was far, far, far from the required quality. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that is true. Uh, James, we, um, we had a slight drop off in the internet for a second. And I, I mentioned to you about, I, I mean, I do love the FA Cup and it's been amazing for our team. But this particular season, right now, and the development of this team, um, I, I think fourth, but certainly European football is everything this year, is it not? 
Yes, I think I think it's clearly the most important thing. But given that Arsenal aren't competing in Europe, you know, there are only three competitions that they're in this season and only two they could realistically win. So I don't want to downplay the disappointment of going out. I think, you know, Mikel Arteta picked about as strong a team as he could yesterday yeah. with some of the absentees. And I think that showed there was an intent to progress, an intent to go through. And with Amy, I think being away from home was a big factor in this and has been a factor in most of our defeats this season. But yeah, I, I think on the other side of that coin, when you look at the squad and we do look a bit threadbare right now, you do wonder if fighting on three fronts kind of heading into the second half of the season might have been a bit difficult. And in a funny sort of way, uh, it might benefit Arsenal to be able to focus more on the Premier League. I mean, February, as we mentioned, is looking relatively empty at the moment. I think we've got you know two games currently scheduled. The unfortunate side of that, of course, is that we now have this crunch period coming up in the next 10 days or so where we face Liverpool twice and Spurs. And whatever your thoughts about the League Cup, those are big games. Those are games I expect Mikel Arteta to take pretty seriously. And yeah, it's sort of diff- it's interesting because there's sort of been this air of optimism around the club, and I think absolutely rightly so. And even after the City defeat, we're all feeling sort of, you know, very positive about the performance, about the way we played. But we started the year with a couple of defeats and the next three games look quite daunting. So it is a really, really crucial time for for Arteta and for the team. 34 minutes in, Amy. Nuno Tavares got uh, subbed. Um, I did see a tweet by now.arsenal, I think it was, um, which said that he gave the ball away 10 times. And I certainly, I, I mean, I was tweeting, what the hell is up with Tavares while the game was going on? Um, I mean, Arteta has shown himself to be pretty harsh. He doesn't suffer fools gladly. He doesn't suffer indiscipline and obviously bad performances as well. Was it the right thing for him to do? And the way Nuno reacted, was that disrespectful? Um, I think I could absolutely understand why Mikel did it. Obviously, it's unusual to substitute someone in the first half. But... Uh, Tavares just, it looked like everything he tried to do was wrong. <laughs> the it, back pass. It the really was. A, 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 I, I actually sort of felt a bit sorry for him because, you know, he, it, it was a it was a really, really uh, uncomfortable half an hour for him. I think, you know, his passes weren't coming off. He, he was being stretched out of position. He looked like he didn't know where he was most of the time. The ball wasn't sticking. It wasn't going anywhere where it was supposed to. And... I think Forrest sensed uh, that as a weak spot, um, you know, almost were, tr- were trying to turn the screw and make it even more stressful for him. And P- James will tell us from having been there, but it sounds like Mikel Arteta was trying very hard to get a lot of messages through. And I suppose, uh, given the lack of experience in the team and the fact that he, you could read the uh, the feeling of the game, the sentiment of the game and, and how it was going and how Forrest were up for it, I think Arteta thought, I, I, I'm going to do this before he gives away a goal or gets himself sent off or something, you know, volatile happens. I felt for, for Tavares because it's a horrible situation to be in. And, I, I, you know, you ask yourself, was his reaction directed at the manager or, or petulance or was he just upset with himself and only he can answer that but I think it would be quite unfair to sort of over overdo our own 
uh, analysis of that moment. He's a young player. Uh, he's got bags of potential. At times this season, he's looked unplayable in different um, scenarios. And it's important to keep him positive uh, and let him kind of recover from this. But it, it did show that he has a bit of learning to do. He also, you know, probably wasn't helpful that, you know, in terms of, I mean, let's just say Xhaka was playing in that sort of left side midfield position. He would probably have helped him more than Patino was able to, let's be honest. So in terms of the help that he was able to get uh, and, you know, Rob Holding had his own work cut out. So I think looking after your left back probably wasn't his number one priority as well. So he probably felt quite you know, like he was out there suffering on his own a bit because sometimes you can rely on experienced teammates to help you and on other occasions you're just trying to survive. Yeah, yeah. It certainly felt like one of those days, the trying to survive days uh, yesterday. Um, and on the point of Mikel Arteta, James, before we move on, um, he looked... He looked as bouncy and confident as I think I've ever seen him in a pre-match press conference, um, or, or when he was uh, when he was talking to the um, the TV people. Um, he didn't look that way through the game and afterwards. It, it bouncing back is that was a big part of what kept Arsene Wenger at Arsenal for all those years. Um, he's going to have to learn a bit of that as well. I, I mean, I guess we talked about this before. They are going to have bumps in the road. This was a pretty big bump. He said it himself. He did. He did use that word. And in fairness to him and to his team, uh, one of the things that their inconsistency this season has shown us and demonstrated is a, a measure of bounce-back ability. You know, Arsenal do have that. Um, and what an opportunity, you could say, with the games they've got coming up to put this right. He he went through the full gamut of uh, exasperated uh, expressions on the sidelines <laughs> yesterday. Arms, Didn't we all? <laughs> hands on his head, head in his hands, hands in the air. He was deeply, deeply <laughs> frustrated. And actually, we yeah. were fortunate enough to have some time with him after the game. Usually, usually these days, all the press conferences are on Zoom, but at Forest, they don't do that. They just do a little sort of pitch side interview. And... I was really intrigued because he spoke about the performance and he said, I'm very disappointed with the performance, not with the attitude. And he made it clear that his disappointment was with the intent rather than the application. You know, so the effort he felt was there, but it was the decisions and the choices and the manner in which we played that left him so disappointed. And I thought that was a really interesting distinction because as fans, I think... You know, we watch the team and when they're not playing well, we go, well, they're just not trying. But sometimes you are trying, but you're just making the wrong choices. And that was his perception of the performance yesterday. Amy, then a quick question for you about Arteta. Was he slightly outcoached yesterday by Steve Cooper, do you think? No, I don't think that was the issue. <laughs> I love it when Amy listens to a question of mine and goes, no, no, it's a rubbish, mate. Don't know what you're on about. It's, it's no, I really... just think there were too many, uh, too many below par performances from players. I don't think that that was anything to do with, you know, the, the tactics or what have you. I mean, you know, I, I, the only thing I would say, and I don't think that's to do with a reflection of how the opposition were coached and they, they were excellent, but, you know, perhaps the approach to substitutions... Uh, quite apart from the Tavares ones, uh, you know, in the second half to have tried to shake things up. Admittedly, options were limited, but um, yes. perhaps a bit earlier, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, just trying to make a bit, trying to change things up a little bit more. 
or even shifting some of the positions around swapping Saka and Martinelli yeah. or putting Martinelli in the middle and Eddie out wide or I don't know there were I think I think there are kind of little things you can try but I don't think that's particularly a question of being out coached I think that's Mikel against his own judgment rather than against another manager could I just say on, on that point about the sort of attackers and, and moving them around, I think that there is more Arsenal could have done, certainly, but set aside Eddie and Ketia, Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka, they've arguably been Arsenal's best players. You could make the case in their recent run of form and certainly in terms of the uptick in goals and chances created. My feeling in the stadium was that the, the big problems in the team were behind that. And that we just weren't able to get these guys on the ball in dangerous dangerous areas enough. Um, and I think when it came to making changes, you know, there was only so much they could do. There were only so... I mean, Kolasinac ended up coming on, right? I mean, there, there just wasn't a great deal of depth. And actually, when you think about Nuno's substitution, I think it was as much about getting Tierney on to try and bring some balance and ball progression in those deeper parts of the pitch as it was about getting Tavares off. He was the obvious way of upgrading the kind of back half of this team, which I think really struggled on the day. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, all right, well, we, we, it was a bit of a poor, poor performance, not attitude, but performance, and things didn't work out. We're going to play Liverpool on Thursday, Spurs on Sunday, and then Liverpool again in the second uh, leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final on the following Thursday. Um, Amy, do we go full strength against Liverpool? And just fingers crossed that one, we get a result, and two, uh, <laughs> I know it's ridiculous to say this, two, Xhaka doesn't get injured. Well, we've also got to factor in whether Xhaka is fully recovered from COVID yeah, or, or able to play um, according to the, you know, tests and what have you. It's so difficult. I think there. Are, I think the majority of the players, I would try and uh, squeeze every last ounce of, of effort until they're so exhausted in in January because they can have a good rest in February. I mean, the way the fixtures are, they could probably actually go if go away and have like a winter break potentially in February. Um but this January is intense. I and my main concern is whether Alex Lacazette can play the three three games in a week, three very very big games in a week, you know, play most of 90 minutes of each of them. Because I think that's kind of imperative. I can't really see what the alternative is uh, very easily. I'd love to think there was something clever that I'm totally missing. Or that the magic new striker and midfielder somehow come in before Thursday. They would both be good options. <laughs> Take James, either, really. what, yeah, James, what about you? Um, we have to give it a go on Thursday, don't we? Well, I think the team Arteta picked... For the cup, for the FA Cup game, shows that he's intending to do that. I mean, Emil Smith Rowe and, and Tommy Asu were both left at home with sort of slight muscular concerns, but as far as I understand it, are both going to be in contention for the games this week. Um, Lacazette started on the bench. Tierney started on the bench. So I, I think his intention has has been to approach that game pretty seriously. I think, I think this question of signings before Thursday, I just don't see it happening. I, I don't think it's realistic. I don't think Arsenal are close to anything. Um, Jack's sitting there. Come on. Yeah, sure. Jack <laughs> aside, I, I just think realistically yeah. to have a player 
on Thursday, you've got to have them registered by 12 p.m. Wednesday. By the time this comes out, it'll be 12 p.m. Monday. My experience of transfers is that it's very difficult for things to progress that quickly. So I, I think we are going to be working with what we've got. I don't know if Xhaka will be available. Oh, because... also, bear in mind, it's difficult to do it quickly, but Roma did it. Yes, true. I mean, that's, that's, that is the point. I mean, on the transfers thing, in my opinion, the mistake's already been made. Like, if we were going to bring in a midfielder in January, it had to be right at the start. And now it's not. It's sort of like, I even think there's a question of how worth it is doing it because if you get it done 31st of January, you get partying on any bat the week after that. So, yeah, I think the mistake has already been made there. But anyway, to come back to Thursday, I think um, I think the key is to be in the game at 90 minutes. You know, it'd be lovely to go there and win, but if we can be in the game and have a home leg to try and win it, then that would be great. But, you know, we went to Anfield in the league um, and weren't able to stay in the game, got blown away. And if we do that, then the second leg will be pretty much redundant. So, yeah, I'm just desperately hoping we can avoid that sort of outcome. Quite. Um, also, by the way, in the Women's Super League, uh, yesterday Arsenal uh, were beaten 2-0 by the bottom team, Birmingham. Uh, we're not going to talk about it any great uh, length because none of us uh, saw the game. But a pretty bad day uh, for the Arsenal yesterday. But... As I've said, the hopeometer is still um, ticking nicely in the positive uh, uh, at the moment. This is Handbrake Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at the time. Ian Stone here with Amy Lawrence and James McNicholas. Uh, Amy, you wrote a piece uh, about Mikel Arteta and whether Arsenal should be looking to renew his contract. It's into the last 18 months. It's a very delicate time, isn't it, at the moment? That's what came across in the piece. We can't just go, well, do you want to now or or not? There are other clubs who may be interested. Um, How do you see this situation? The kind of whole judge me in May classic yeah. Arsene Wenger line really underlines everything. And I I think there's good sense all round for that to be crunch time. Uh, I don't think they can wait any longer. I think if you want to... 
believe that Mikel Arteta is the man to continue to progress this evolution and take this young team on. If you're Arsenal, you cannot wait any longer than the summer to renew his contract. To to go into the last year of his deal with it running down would be a negative situation. Um, We all remember how many times Arsene went into that last year of the deal and it became such a thing. But, uh, you know, obviously, like any of these things, it's a it's a two way relationship. So Mikel's got to want to and not, you know, not got to be tempted by something else. And even though he's had ups and downs and we're talking at a down period when things are looking positive uh, and it looks like Arsenal are going places and he's doing a really interesting job. There are other clubs that are looking around at what he's doing to be a potential manager of the future for them. But the reason I thought it was, you know, some people were like, hey, why are we talking about this now? I mean, you know, May is when you talk about this. But the reason that it's important is because these next few months, this period probably defines how those talks will go in May. Because if Arsenal are in Europe, preferably the Champions League via finishing in the top four, then everybody's going to be wanting that contract big time, I think. But if that's not how the season finishes... And with all the backing that he's had, I think it's going to be a tougher sell. Yes. Yes. We're going to, I mean, we just have to wait to a certain extent. But James, the club have shown no sign that they don't want him to sign a contract. I mean, they've backed him with a load of money in in the last transfer window and hopefully a load more in the next couple of days. They're looking long term. They've, they've bought 23 year old players or players under the age of 23 they want Artet, Mikel Arteta to be manager for quite some time, don't they, the uh, hierarchy? I think a good number of them do. I think that there's a lot of support for Mikel from certain influential people within the board and, and the ownership structure. Um, and I think that, that, yeah, I think if they could choose, they'd like everything to go swimmingly this season uh, and sign a new contract and have that stability. But I do think it is an important question to consider because also the last thing you want is the sort of opposite of that, where there is a kind of late ended season collapse and form and fan sentiment mean that you have to make a change and it's not something you've contemplated. And suddenly you're trying to appoint a, a manager on the fly. I think your job when you're sort of governing a, a football club and thinking about the future, thinking mid to long term, is to think about every eventuality. I, I think it's right to wait until the end of the season. I think that doing anything before that would be divisive uh, and could backfire. I think ultimately we've said since the summer, it's all about getting European football back at Arsenal. And I think Arteta will be judged on on that basis. Uh, The Champions League feels like it is potentially within our grasp. Um, That would be obviously, I think, a pretty fantastic result for Arsenal, given where they started. Uh, but I think European football of some description, and I don't include the Conference League in that, is kind of the the minimum requirement. <laughs> no, uh, if you want to read that piece uh, and James's match report as well, you can do so at The Athletic. If you're not yet a subscriber, head to theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod for a third off a subscription. That's theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod. Uh, we have talked a little bit about transfers. We'll just have a, a little bit more of a chat because Ainsley Maitland-Niles has gone off to Roma, played, I believe, in that crazy game that they had um, yesterday. 
James, you've already talked about this. Amy, I'll ask you uh, briefly. Was it a mistake to let him go? He couldn't have waited two more weeks um, while we, we have this, uh, I'm not going to say crisis, but while we have this shortage in midfield. I mean, he's been at the club. I think you pointed this out in your piece, James, since he was eight. He couldn't have waited a couple more weeks before he goes? It does seem like a, a very self-inflicted piece of madness on Arsenal's part in terms of the timing. It seems strangely like the Arsenal have done the deal to suit Ainsley and to suit Roma and not to done the deal to suit themselves, given that there's a few weeks left of this window. And whether Roma had a gun to their head their head and said if you don't do it now we're pulling out and they really? were like oh okay I mean re- exactly I kind of have my suspicions about that and th- think surely being a little bit stronger and saying you know what we need another week or two out of this and then you can ha- you know the deal is yours <sighs> would surely have been mighty practical it's funny though isn't it I mean I agree with you but football's so weird at the end of the last transfer deadline Ainsley Maitland-Niles was told you're not going to Everton on loan. And there was outcry from everybody. How can they treat an academy player like this? He just wants to play. Look, he's put it on his Instagram story. This is awful, the way they're keeping him against his will. Then they let him go in January. And <laughs> we're all pissed off about it. I mean, you know, I am the same. I think it's a non. it doesn't make any sense to me to, to, to let him go at that point in the season. It's just weird how these, how these things come around. And James, you—I mean, you do keep an eye across this stuff. Um, who else is on the radar, by the way? I mean, I mean, we know about the forwards. Uh, Vlajovic is one, and um, maybe Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, who's this Danilo chap that we've been linked with? Yeah, that was a story that um, came out in the Brazilian press uh, over the weekend about Arsenal pursuing a, a twenty million euro left-footed uh, central midfielder. He's 19, 20, very young guy. Um, I know Arsenal are aware of him and they have, of course, South South American scouts. They were uh, retained, actually, from the old regime, the only ones who survived the the big cull there. But uh, any reports of a bid are very premature. I I don't think uh, Arsenal are at that stage with him and I think he's probably not at that stage in his development to be able to come in and make a difference right away in the Premier League. So I wouldn't get too invested or excited (laughs) in that one in the immediate term. The difficulty Arsenal have in central midfield and the reason that something like Jack, I think, becomes a possibility is that a lot of the players they would like to sign, and let's be clear, we do need improvement in that area of the pitch, are very, very difficult to acquire halfway through a season for various reasons, mainly that they're of great importance to their current teams. And so then you get into this this difficult situation of what well, do you find some sort of short term compromise? And a lot of those compromises haven't panned out particularly well for Arsenal in the past. So I do have some sympathy with their position. I think we are still early on in the window. I think there's a uh, you know few weeks to go, and typically these things do accelerate towards the end. But the problem, as I said before, is that the need may be less great by then. And actually, what Arsenal needed to do was one of those deals where it's like January 1st, bang, rubber stamp, we've got someone in the door. And that already hasn't happened. And we've got poor Charlie Patino looking a bit out of his depth at, at the city ground, you know. 
I mean, the best result in the uh, in in January could be for Ghana to get knocked out of the African Nations Cup as quickly. Yeah, as sorry to our, our Ghanaian listeners, but I'm absolutely willing that I've watched Ghana in World Cups. So I've been to see a couple of their games, and they're great, yeah. and the fans are great. Are they? But um, <laughs> they've got to go out ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that, Ghanaians. The greater the for the greater good of us finishing above Tottenham. <laughs> um, let's uh, have a song uh, to finish. Amy, I'm going to come to you first. Well, I just had the word bad going around uh, my head a lot. I'm not thinking uh, Michael Jackson here. Anyway, I, I, I've got, I, I went for Badly Drawn Boy and uh, my first instinct was to play Pissing in the Wind, which is what it felt like was going on at the city ground. But uh, if, if that's not acceptable, I'll go for Silent Sigh. I imagine it is acceptable. We have a fairly adult listenership, I believe. Uh, James, yeah. what about you? I think there's some swearing that's been culled before. So I Has there? I'll, I'll, uh, Not by me. Try. Oh, okay. really? Uh, I did, James? I said a slightly naughty word in this podcast. Maybe it won't have survived. I, um, I, <laughs> well, kind of in response to your question about transfer targets, Ian, I went for the who, who are you? <laughs> because yeah. uh, we're waiting to find out who they might be and if anyone is going to kind of ride in on that horse and and rescue us so let's see um okay uh i'm gonna have uh can we uh, mikhail talked about bumps in the road yesterday uh i was watching uh aaron brokovich the other day which is a wonderful film if you've not seen it and uh, every day is a winding road is the song they use at the end uh cheryl crow so i'm having that um big week coming up gooners fingers crossed here's hoping they uh, oh can... hang on hang on oh. Uh, uh, have you got surely, some news? Is there a transfer? No, no, no but, but surely you got to. You just suddenly thought, Steely Dan, get back, Jack. Do it again. <laughs> yes, well, we could have that. Obviously, some by the originals. As opposed I've been to pushing this agenda far too much. It's so transparent. It's pathetic. Yeah. Okay. No. Well, you know what? I'm sure our our mailbox will reflect that at some point. <laughs> we'll uh, <laughs> we'll take out the worst ones, Amy. Okay. Um, that has been handbrake off. We have been handbrake off. Uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the Athletic. I'm Ian Stone. Thanks to uh, Abby, our producer and thanks to James and Amy and see you next week. Thank you.